On this special episode of Happily Ever Active, I go through the ups and downs of my first ever road half marathon. All that's coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hi there, this is Kelly. Welcome to this bonus episode of Happily Ever Active. I'm putting in a bonus episode this week. Don't worry, there will still be an episode to drop, a regularly scheduled episode to drop on Friday. But I wanted to add this bonus episode as a reflective piece on my Ottawa Race Weekend experience, especially given that last week's episode was on reaction planning, preparing yourself, preparing your mind in advance for tough times, for obstacles that you might face along the way, and trying to foresee some of the obstacles that you might face to the enjoyment of a fitness experience, or in the case of Ottawa Race Weekend, the obstacles that you might find in an event or during a race. And I wanted to break down my experience a little bit because, of course, I practice what I preach as much as I can. I adhere to everything that I have written in my book, Feel Like It, and what I uh, talk about on the show. And I wanted to just tell you a little bit of how the experience went and whether or not I really feel like, after going through this experience, feel like going back again and doing another road half marathon. And this will kind of lend itself to another tip this week. And of course, there's always a question that I ask, but this week I'm actually going to ask it in a self-indulgent fashion. I'm going to ask it of myself, and uh, but it'll offer extra food for thought for you, I hope. So if you're out there and you've never done a road race, and road races are I won't say a dime a dozen. There are a lot of running events in most communities, and Ottawa has many. And so if if you are interested in participating in a race or a race day, uh, regardless of the distance, whether that's uh, two kilometers, five kilometers, 10 kilometers, and upward, then I hope that some of these reflections today will have some value. And I think they will simply because of the context of the show. And particularly, as I mentioned, the last episode or two when we've been talking about uh, pre-event or pre-fitness planning a little bit and the mental training side of things. And I always say often mental training is seen as or reserved for elite athletes or elite performers. And I think that sells the whole discipline a little short because there are a lot of skills, mental skills, mental behavior that we can engage in that helps us just in terms of trying to live a more happily active life, to be moving more often and with more enjoyment. So I'm always going to try and pull in some of these things that I've learned over the years or that I've I've taught over the years, whether it's a high performer, uh, an athlete, or, or someone else. So let's dive into my race recap here. I'm going to give you an overview of how things went And then I'm going to reflect a little bit at the end on what this all could mean for your fitness journey. But basically, before the race, let's talk about before the race. And I don't mean like the moments before, because I will get to that. But I did have a plan on how to run. Because often I find if you don't run or you don't do something with intention, then a lot of the enjoyment can get sidetracked by things. And that means 
of course, planning or trying to foresee some obstacles, like, you know, just one very simple example unrelated to running, like going for a hike and not bringing bug spray and the whole hike being ruined, let's just say, by mosquitoes or black flies or whatever. And so that requires some advanced preparation and some foresight, some contingency planning, if you will. Well, running a half marathon would be filled with that because you're out there for several hours and a lot of things can happen. And I've run races before. I've run um, trail races. I've run road races. I've done events before and I've competed a lot in sports. And so there's a lot of things to kind of consider, I guess, when getting yourself ready. Although for a half marathon, there are several other things to uh, consider as well. And it's not necessarily the distance that really matters. It's just that I was encountering this new experience and I've never run race weekend before in Ottawa. And it's one of the biggest race weekends or events in Canada. I mean, I was running the half marathon with thousands of people shoulder to shoulder. I think it was 8,000, give or take, 8,000 entrants for just the half marathon alone. So you can imagine what that was like to run with those, that amount of people. It was really fascinating. Anyway, pre-race, getting back to pre-race, I prepared a plan. And if you've been sort of following the show and you get a sense from my writing too in my book too, is that I'm not that big into measurement. I really, if you will, I like to pursue my fitness by feel. I want to fully engage in the sensations that it offers, in the act of doing something, but also in the atmospheres, soaking up the atmosphere as much as possible because the motivation that will really drive us forward, and I'm not talking about for the next week or two, but over years and years and years is going to come more from how things feel as you do them and the atmospheres, the the energy and the positivity of the atmospheres where you participate in the, the activities that you like. So race weekend is one big atmosphere, for example, that I've never participated in. And so in advance, I tried to plan my event around those types of things. I wasn't shooting for a number, although I did have to choose a corral in order to get ready for the race. So that was around the two hour, 155 to 205 mark, I think it was. And so that was a best estimate based on what I generally know about my pace that I run at. And I wasn't married to it because as you will see, as I go through my report, conditions change and conditions influence how something feels. And if you're really honoring the feel of physical activity and understanding that the feel of the process is really where the power is for your motivation going forward, then you have to honor what you feel. And a lot of times, a lot of times, including me on this weekend, check your ego at the door. And there's a lot of egoic stuff, egoic mayhem that goes around the numbers to do with fitness and in running too. So if I said I would love to run a sub 150, one hour and 50 minutes, and I was married to that and I was like convinced that was the most important thing to this weekend, I well, I would have been shattered. I would have been very disappointed because that's not what happened. And guess what? I feel great about the weekend, even though my time was meh, you know, in the overall scheme of things. And I really don't care. And I'll tell you why in a minute. So my pre-race plan was based on how do I maximize the enjoyment of this event? Now, something to consider about me that I may not have, I don't think I've brought up on the podcast before is that I do pretty poorly in the heat. 
Last September, I ran a trail race at the November Project Summit, which was combined with the North Face Trail Running Series, and that was outside of Milwaukee. So I was in Wisconsin, and that day, I ran a leg of a marathon relay in the hottest day of the year, at least the hottest day for me. It was it was one of the hottest days I've ever run in, ever. And this was a tough experience for me because I finished the race, and I finished my leg of the race and I had a lot of problems. I suffered heat stroke and I required an IV. I had medical attention. And this was the second episode of heat stroke, the second bite of heat stroke I've had in my life. And the previous one was in 2005. And so I have a hyper awareness, especially after it's happened twice, about the heat. And so all week I was looking at the temperatures and I saw, oh, Saturday, uh, the race is on Sunday, by the way. But Saturday, there were races like, look at the weather's looking good on Saturday, looking a little bit warmer on Sunday. Well, I woke up on Sunday and it was already 16 or 17 degrees. This was at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Okay, this is going to be a warm run. And going back to my, um, my episode, the episode last week on reaction planning, having a, a phrase, having some language, having something to tell yourself when things get hard, when things get difficult is important. And so my phrase going into this race was don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. And of course, the second part of that is soak it up, which meant enjoy everything along the way. And I'll break that down a little bit more in a second. But I needed first and foremost, first and foremost, I needed to take care of myself. So I was required, if you will, I was required to make sure I ran a healthy race. I hydrated properly going into it, knowing that the possibility of a hot day was on the horizon. Despite me being in probably the best running shape I've been in in a long time, my legs are feeling super strong. I knew that there were other factors in play here that were going to influence how I quote unquote performed on the day. And by performance, I mean really how fast I ran the race. But my plan was not just about a number. It was not just about a time. It was sort of an unconventional plan. And this is something that I recommend to anyone who will listen really about race planning is it's not just about a number because if you want to keep motivated, if you want to keep physical activity in your life in a meaningful way, you have a responsibility to create experiences that resonate with you. And there's a lot of things that are within your control to do that. One of the things that is going to definitely sidetrack that is whether you have a physical struggle due to the elements or not. So running too hard in the heat or getting dehydrated or pushing yourself when, you know, your gut instinct is saying you're overheating or or whatnot. So I have experience with that. I've ridden that edge a couple times now. And so I'm trying to turn that into some wisdom. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I'm trying to turn that into being a wise runner and a happy runner. And those two things coincide for me. They they are they correlate for me. So going in, I had this plan, this mental plan of don't be stupid. I hydrated, I was physically prepared. I even tapered the last week to make sure that my legs felt good. I was having a struggle with my feet. I have plantar fasciitis or just the early stages of it. And I've managed it beautifully the last, um, you know, eight to 12 weeks or so. It's it's there, but it's not a huge issue. And so I've, I've really managed my feet pretty well up until this point, although they came into play a little bit later and that's important. So 
going into the race, I'd prepared myself mentally and physically. I checked my ego at the door, but most importantly, I was super open-minded to, and, and just open in general to soaking up all the wonderful things that come with such a huge event and almost like a celebration of the running community and in general, the city of Ottawa. I mean, people come out and support these things in droves. The signs and the people uh, on along the route were just amazing. And there were, you know, there were stretches where there were thousands of people in along a street. It was just really incredible. And I wanted just to soak that up because it was a, a unique thing. You only do, um, you know, your first thing once, right? So like, I've never done that road half marathon before. And I wanted just to, I wanted to really get the data, if you will. And I always say that, you know, go get the data. And to do that, I needed to engage. So the, the second part of my plan or a big part of my plan was I set a goal for high-fiving little kids because I know that, you know, my daughter who's four was going to be on the route and I was going to say, I was going to see her at around the 9K mark in, in the race. But I wanted along the way when I saw little kids and some were really little, like two, three years old and they'd stick out their little hands. And I wanted to give as many high-fives to them because I love seeing it. Um, I love seeing that stuff. And I think it's really important for the community to have all these people come out. I even told a couple of kids that, you know, they're awesome. You're the best cheer and stuff like that. And really just encouraging all the positivity that exists out there because it matters. I found that really matters. And it certainly really mattered to see my family, which I'll get to in a second. So basically, I got to the race really early with uh, a friend of mine. Her name was Jamie. We were dropped off by a friend. We had lots of time to hang out stay cool, loosen up a little bit before the race. So there's no stress. That's really important. Rushing to an event and trying to find parking and all that. So it's really stressful. So planning that part out for me, at least personally, is a huge deal. I get pretty flustered when I'm in a rush and I didn't rush, got there with Jamie. Thanks to our friend Rebecca for dropping us off. That was a super useful part of the day. And we got to chill and stay loose. And eventually a time rolled around where we got into our corral we cracked a few jokes and then there's a little bit of nervous energy waiting because the uh, corrals, there's several, I think four or five of them, they go at two or three minute increments. So the first group goes and that's usually the faster, more, more competitive group of runners. And then a couple minutes pass and then the next group and we all kind of shuffle up towards the start line and then our horn goes for our crowd and off we go. And so running shoulder to shoulder and my part of the part of my race plan that really applied to the actual act of running was to start really slow because the last thing I want to do is to push myself too early and then have to really catch up and fight myself. So I was like really slow and I was sort of happy, almost shuffling along with everybody because it was kind of, you know, that shoulder to shoulder, there was, there was a lot of contact to be honest. There's elbows thrown and you know, some people are a bit chippy with each other, actually, and um, that was an interesting. That was an interesting start. So the first couple of kilometers were just like that, and I eventually saw a few friends along the way from Arboretum Hill Club. They were situated around four or five kilometers into the route, so that was kind of cool. And I really found the sweet spot, a sweet rhythm to my run, and that was what I was going for right away. It's like start slow and find something that I know because I've run the distances before several times, many times. I know the pace that I want to have and we'll see if I have to adjust it a little bit later, but I've been practicing and in and being intentional with finding that sweet spot, that sweet rhythm, that cadence, et cetera. And I found it and 
I was happy to see people from Arboretum Hill Club. And my really, my first thing was to, um, my first real highlight was to get to where my family was, which was at the nine kilometer mark, which was at the sort of a switchback part of the course. I knew they were there and they had, they had made a sign that they were going to surprise me with apparently. So I hadn't seen it. So eventually we got there, but along the stretch leading up to it. So we're going to say between eight kilometer eight and kilometer nine, there was tons of families and kids and dogs. And part of my race plan also included, if I saw a dog, I was going to say hi. That was the thing. I was going to give him a scratch. And actually along that stretch, there was one Labradoodle puppy that was pretty cute. So I stopped and it rolled over on its uh, back and I gave it a I gave it a tummy rub sort of thing, and uh, it was just fun, and I kept on going. And just before I got to where my family was, there was this little boy. He was about five years old, I'd say, and he had a whole bouquet of dandelions that he was holding out, and he was trying to give them to runners, and there was like so many runners that passed him, and I saw him up ahead, and I said, I'm going to grab one, and I grabbed one from him, and I was going to give it to my daughter, Clara. So I then ran up the next uh, five, six minutes or so and saw my family. So Sarah and Clara were there with their sign and Clara had her little stuffed animal supporting, um, supporting me and a sign that said, happy running dad. And it was really, really cool. And so I got a little bit emotional seeing then I gave her a big hug. We got a photo and got a piece of licorice and off I went. But I said to Sarah at that point, so that had been at, again, around the nine kilometer mark. I said, you know, my feet are getting hot. And one thing that I have been unable to solve. And I'm going to now, certainly after this event, I'm going to put a lot more energy into solving it. That My feet, when the temperature is over about 15 degrees, 15 degrees uh, Celsius, my feet get hot after running for about an hour. So 10K to 12K in there, I start getting hot feet. And so when I was doing some of my long runs in training, it was cold weather, cool weather, sometimes even wet weather, not really an issue. Well, on this day, I anticipated, especially in the back half of the race, my feet were going to start cooking. And I didn't want that to happen, but I knew it was super likely it was going to happen. And so the first half, this is really a race of, of two halves. The first half was finding a very sweet rhythm, soaking in everything. But then it got to a point where I had to manage my body. I had to manage my feet. And as you can expect, as a race goes on, it gets warmer because they start in the morning. So as the, uh, the, the afternoon went on, or sorry, after the morning went on, it got warmer and my feet even got hotter. So after seeing my family, my, I feet, my feet were starting to act up a little bit. And I decided, okay, at the next water station, I'm going to implement another part of my plan, which is not really going to make me faster. It's going to prevent me from really being tempted to drop out though, which was I'm going to douse my feet. I'm going to get to a a hydration station and I'm going to start dropping cups of water on my feet to cool them down, to make sure that at the bare minimum, hot feet are not going to derail the day. They're not going to ruin the day for me. And so I got to the next station. I stopped, which was the first time I had stopped along the way. And I I was really sure to douse my feet. I doused my whole body, pretty much took a shower, had some electrolytes and off I went. And so that was the first real physical boost because I really felt refreshed and I on I went. And so the next uh, aid station was another three kilometers or so away. So we're talking, I think the 15, 14, 15 K mark. Between those two stations though, another problem, an unanticipated problem came up that I was not I did not include in my plan for obvious reasons, but I got a cramp in my left foot. I really 
had managed my feet super well leading up to the race. I had taken care of my fasciitis. I had strong legs. I was rested. But all of a sudden, I had a muscle on the arch of my feet. It was kind of like, <laughs> after the race, it was like, I describe it, it was kind of like a baby carrot. I had this baby carrot-sized knot that came up because I, my, my arch cramped, uh, a part of my arch cramped. And so here I am in the middle of what was one of the hottest parts. It was sort of... Uh, uh, I was uh, uh, within a, a series of government buildings that I'd started to act up and uh, sort of an uninspiring part of the of the route, if you will. And I my foot was cramping. I was like, oh, no. So my feet are cool. They're soggy. I am cool. I feel strong. And now my foot is, is, is a problem. So I stopped. Uh, I stretched my foot on a curb. I kind of try to walk it off a little bit. I stretched some more and it got, you know, it got a little better. And I said, okay, well, let's see how this goes. So um, I collected myself. I caught my breath a little bit and I started to run again. And as I did, it, it felt okay, but it wasn't going away. And so I ran and I eventually got to the next aid station, which I think there were, spo- that was the one with a lot of sponges. And I sponged myself down. I doused my feet one more time and it cramped up again. So I had to walk. And so what ended up happening is I got, um, as the uh, the route took us from one part of the city, which is the Ottawa side, to Gatineau, which is on the uh, Quebec side, we had to cross a bridge. And as I was cro- crossing the bridge, I started to walk, run, walk, run, and I had to do it. And my ego was telling me just, you know, my mind, that part of your your mind that really, it, sometimes it, it doesn't really care about your health. <laughs> it says, you know, just push through it. You know, you can get it. You only have whatever, 45 minutes, an hour left to run. Just Just push through it. You know, you sort it out later. And I was like, no, because what is part of my plan? What is part of my reaction plan to when things get tough? Don't be stupid. Soak it up. Soak up all the fun. Don't be stupid. And I guess in a way, soak it up means soak up all the water too. I, I didn't really think about that. And that was not the intention of that, that mantra. But soak it up. Don't be stupid. And I said, okay, I'm going to walk and I've had to stretch. And the walking made it feel better, definitely. And allowed me some time to kind of recuperate and then run. And so I ran, walked, ran, walked. And now we're heading into the the the, the latter stage, the latter third or 25% of the race. And I was doing this and you know what? I was getting passed by pace bunnies. So they had the signs, of course, with their, their time pace. And I could see, oh, there went the two-hour pace bunny. Oh, there went the 205. And my ego again hated that, right? Because there's still a part of you that in today's fitness culture is you know, you got to get the numbers on your side. You got to set personal bests. Well, I didn't have any real goal, but in back of my mind, sub two hours kind of looks nice and tidy. So when that went past, I was like, well, I'm not going to be doing that. My ego kind of revolted. But then again, I responded. I chose my response. I chose my response based on the conditions now, which was don't be stupid. Walk, run, walk, run get to the finish line because at the end of the day, I wanted to see my family at the 20K mark. After seeing them the first time, they were going to go and then set up shop at around the 20K mark, the last stretch of the race. I wanted to go see them. I didn't want to be literally a hot mess when I got there. So I had to take care of myself. And of course, when it was getting really hot, walking also allowed me to manage my temperature. And that's a really important part of this. So I was managing my temperature well, again, because the last real major hard race I ran was in September and I got heat stroke in that, in that race. So again, be smart. And here's one of the, the side effects, the positive side effects of, of 
doing that, the walking and the walk, run, walk, run, is that you get to talk to a lot of other people because now you're at a social pace, if you will. So I ran into some people from November Project. I got a chat with uh, with other strangers about stuff and that kind of killed a good 15, 20 minutes of that whole tough stretch. And that was kind of nice. That's not something I had put in the plan, but that was a nice bonus. Now I'm on the Quebec side of the route and eventually we take a bridge and come back to downtown Ottawa where the finish line is. And it's called the Alexandra Bridge. And on that bridge, as I was doing my walk, run, walk, run, and I'd kind of finally, my foot finally kind of loosened up enough that I could go a little bit longer. I got up on the bridge and I saw Jamie, who I started with up ahead. I saw her pink shirt and I was like, oh, I think that's Jamie. So I ran up a little further and I shouted to her and she's like, oh, hey. And clearly, along with the hundreds of other people around us, she was sort of, oh, this heat is getting to me. This is getting hard. And I said, okay, well, I told her, listen, I've been run walking. I have had foot problems. It's hot. I said, do you want to kind of go in together? And she's like, yeah, I I think I want to do that. I'm like, okay. So we gave a fist bump. And so what we did next was we went for these little spurts. We said, the next set of lights, let's run to the next set of lights and then we'll walk for a bit. And then we picked the next one. Let's run to that next building or that next statue and then we'll walk. And we did that until we got to the next aid station, which we were, honestly, we were both dying to see. And the next aid station was about at the 19 kilometer mark, 19 and a half. So we took about three or four kilometers doing this stretch. And it was really, really cool to do this with someone else, a friend of mine who is motivating on a typical day. And under these, you know, sort of extreme circumstances, it was really motivating to be alongside her. And, um, it was great to have her encouragement and it was really meaningful to kind of encourage her back. And we kept moving forward. We were still, of course, keeping aware of how we felt. And if I needed to stop, which I had to do a couple of times, I told her she would stop. And if she needed to stop, I would stop. That's what our deal was. Anyway, we kept on going forward and we came across one of the last uh, stations where I had um, the second last station where there were friends of ours. And it was, it was from the fitness group in Ottawa called the Badass Lady Gang. And there was a friend with a dog there. We had a Definitely had to stop because it's the dogs, right? I had to stop and say hi to the dog and the dog's name is Zephyr. So we got a little bit of playtime there for a few moments. And that stuff mattered because emotionally when you're at that stage and your foot is acting up and, you know, your running pal is also suffering. We're all kind of like that emotional lift mattered. And then we, you know, we got to that last aid station, refreshed ourselves and we said, okay, from here on in, let's try and run it. Let's do our best. Okay. Keeping in mind that my family was to come. So we tried to find a good stride. We cruised along. We came across or came up to the final bend, which is the Pretoria Bridge, it's called. And my family was parked there. So Clara and Sarah were there. And I got to see them one more time. And that really felt great to see them because it was, you know, it was hard at that point. And I gave Clara a hug. I kind of picked her up. And then I uh, actually ran with her hand in hand for about 20, 25 meters along. And she, it was so funny because I ran with her for that stretch and but I had to get back to the race at some point so I had to let go of her hand and and the rest of the afternoon she's like why did you let go of me and run with Jamie I still wanted to run she was like disappointed that she couldn't run with me to the finish so I had to let her go and we continued on to the final stretch which we found a really good rhythm it was one of the the last kilometer I would say of all the 21 that we ran at least for me was one of the strongest my foot was yes it was sore 
I had a little bit of a limp going. It had loosened up enough that I could find a cadence that worked and a stride that worked. And I came across or we came across one of the biggest cheer stations of the whole route. And it might have been the biggest, which was Ottawa City Run Club. And I was wearing my Ottawa City Run Club singlet so they could spot us. And we came across the Ottawa City Run Club cheer station who just really gave us a huge boost. And out of nowhere, someone came. My friend Mackenzie actually came and all of a sudden I had a beer in my hand. He gave me a beer and ran with us for a little stretch and I'm running into the the finish line with a beer. So if there's any finishing photos, it's going to be, I have a tall boy in one hand and I think I grabbed Jamie's hand at the end too, as we finished the finish line. So that last stretch was um, a real gritty stretch. And I liked that challenge of, of going in and trying to get this thing across the line, but without falling on our faces. So we did push it, but I was still like, you know, I said to Jamie at one point, okay, you know, steady, steady, because she really wanted to get over the line. So she was pushing it. And I, I think she really wanted the race to be over as most people would at that stage. And I didn't want, (laughs) I didn't want to finish and fall flat on my face. So Uh, I kind of held us back a little bit, but we finished and at the end I let out a pretty good F yeah, felt pretty good about that. That was a a amazing, amazing day. And, uh, you know, after that you get get a medal and you get your refreshments, your food and, you know, and then you go into recovery mode. And that was sort of my day. And so this is the, this is the, um, you know, I always ask a question of the week. And so the question of the week is really, you know, directed at me, as I said, which is, you know, a question that I ask a lot of people is, would you go and do it again? Because success is wanting to do it again. Did I create an experience that was motivating enough for me to want to return and do another half marathon? If you asked me at like that 16K mark, I'd say, no, nope, this is too much. This is, there's too much going on. But you don't want to judge something on its worst moment. And that's really stuck with me um, the last couple of years. You don't want to judge something on its worst moment. I'm actually going to be talking about this in in the episode upcoming on Friday. It's called the peak end rule. I'm going to break that down a little bit on Friday's episode. I was applying it this weekend. And so when I was reflecting on all of this, would I do it again? Well, ask me in the heat and the worst moment. Of course I wouldn't. You know, I'm at my worst. I'm sore. I got a cramped foot. I'm hot. That doesn't really lend itself to a lot of motivation and no event goes perfectly every time. So you got to accept that. So what would I judge it on? All the other stuff. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be in the moment and find the moments and sometimes create the moments as much as possible, create these positive moments so that I would possibly or at least give myself the best chance that I'd want to do it again. But if you asked me at the finish line, I'd still be unsure because you're recovering and whatever. And Jamie and I actually joked at around the 18, 19 kilometer marks, like who does this? We were both ready at that point. Let's go back to running on the trails because she runs with me on the trails sometimes. And it's, it's, she's a great running partner. And we, we both joked about it. And, you know, I think there's a bit of seriousness there. Like we're ready to run the trails because we've been running um, more on, roads and paths and concrete in preparation. So now I'm sitting here going, you know, a day or two afterwards thinking, would I do it again? And the answer is yes, I would do it again. I would. And here's the thing though. It's not about the time. It's not because, well, I'd want to go faster. I'd be curious as as to how fast I could go at it, but 
after going out and getting the data of trying something new, I think that I now have some extra wisdom and a few extra skills that I know I need to work on to be able to almost create a 21 kilometer moment. If I take all of that experience and I break it down, there were amazing parts of it, especially on the emotional mental side. Physically, running on the road is always going to be low on my list. I like a lot of other things more than that, but the atmosphere of the race weekend is off the charts. It's so cool. And seeing my family out there was so memorable. That was amazing. And showing my daughter that you can have fun while doing hard things is important to me and that you can do hard things. You can do it and be smart about it and do it in a healthy way. I clearly would never want to run a half marathon in that heat and on that day have something happen to me, especially after having two incidences of heat stroke and have my family there. That would off, that would be awful and I dare not even think about it. And as I've been taking these things into account a couple of days after, I'm choosing to pull out the positive sides of this event, of this process, the, even including the training. And by doing that, instead of letting my mind drift to all the horrific parts <laughs> that were happening with my foot and the times where I felt like I was baking hot and you know, you're tempted just to stop and, and drop out, actually, if you take all those things all together and you focus and you choose to focus on what was really you know, the highlights, you can then see, okay, how do I create more of that the next time? Well, part of that is getting my hot feet sorted. I don't know if I'll ever do that. But if I can't do that, if hot feet is just what I have to live with, if it's not going to get any better, I might just have to drop down to a different distance or try and do half marathons, if you will, specifically in cooler temperatures. That if it's looking like it's going to be, you know, 24 degrees plus humidity, that, you know what, this is not the event for me. Given all those things, would I do it again? Yes. And it's really important not to make decisions about, especially the future, when you're not rational enough to make them with a clear mind. And when you finish a race, you finish something really hard, you're very emotional. And certainly there's feelings of pride of getting done, but there's some of this like, oh, I'm glad it's over and there's that relief and I'm never doing that again. It always reminds me of, you know, one of, you know, nights in college where you went out and you're drinking, you drank too much and you're like, well, I'm never drinking again. I'm never doing that again. Well, we all know that when you're hungover and you're feeling like garbage, that it's easy to make those promises to yourself. And it's also very easy to break them later on. So I wanted to let all of that stuff run its course and then think with a rational mind, like, would I do this again? And the answer is yes, but it comes down to not making that decision too quickly and wait till you're clear-minded and you're rational about it. And there's enough positives I can draw out going, yeah, I do it again. My legs are sore. My foot is still um, causing me problems a couple days later, but when I'm recovered and I start getting out there, I'm going to still love to run. I'm going right back out onto the trails. I probably won't run on concrete for a while. Um, it's going to take me some time to get back there. And maybe when I, you know, I'm back on my feet, literally, I will start feeling attracted to another event. And maybe that's a road race. Maybe it's just a shorter one. I'm not too sure. So that question of the week was for me, would I do it again? Because I define success as feeling like going again? And did I create a successful experience, even under circumstances that were far from ideal for me, given my my history with, with the heat? And the answer is yes, it was a successful experience. And I do have an inkling to do it again. And I certainly would want to do it 
with um, friends, with including friends, and having so many people who I knew who were in the race and were cheering and supporting really mattered. That social element mattered. And if it were another race where there were no people, I'm not so sure how it would go. I've never experienced that, but I'm not so sure I would feel as strongly. I might have an inkling to go back and try another one, but I'm not so sure it would be as strong if it weren't for all the encouragement and the great support of other people. So that's my recap of my very first road half marathon, which includes implementing my reaction plan, which is what I talked about in the last episode, but it also includes honoring what's called the peak end rule. And the peak end rule is going to be broken down a little bit further in my next episode, which is going to drop on Friday. And in general, I'm not really motivated by time goals. I'm really, at the end of the day, I'm really much more motivated by moments. And I think I do have now a little bit more wisdom on how to create a 21, a big, cool 21K moment. So if there's any goal for my next race, that would be it. But for now, I'm going to choose to remember the best parts of Ottawa Race Weekend and my first ever road half marathon. So when I do look at my finisher's medal, it will make me feel like giving it another go. And I'll look at that as a fond symbol of a really cool weekend. With that, thanks for joining me on this special reflective episode. Again, I'll have another episode on Friday, as usual, on the peak end rule. And of course, until then, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.